This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Amy under the weather this morning, so uh, it's just Dan. I'm sure she'll uh, rally by Monday. Uh, we're going to talk to August jobs numbers with Scott the Cow Guy, Scott Shalady, just a minute. But as a Chicagoan, he'll appreciate this. The numbers are good there. The prospects for Chicago mayor dimming with uh, Tony, 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 Queen Sugar, as she's known, Tony Preckwinkle. Scheduled to announce her candidacy for mayor next week. Tony Preckwinkle. I, uh, you've, before she was Cook County Board President, right, she was a longtime alderman in uh, Hyde Park. And uh, I moderated a panel discussion about five years ago for the Illinois Policy Institute with uh, some state legislators from around the country. One was a guy named uh, Dan Lillenquist, who was a state senator from Utah. And he had spent some time at University of Chicago. And he had a story to tell about one Chicago politician. Here's that story. One of the more sobering experiences of my life was my first summer between, uh, of law school. I, I was uh, working with the Institute for Justice Clinic and Entrepreneurship down at University of Chicago. We were trying to help inner city Chicago entrepreneurs launch their business. We had some great, great people with great ideas. And I went and met with the, uh, the alderwoman of South Chicago, uh, who's now in, a, I think, a much more powerful position. I won't mention who she is, but I sat down with her and told her we were offering free legal advice to help people start up businesses. And uh, she looked at me and she said, I'm opposed to self-employment. You give these people false hopes that they could ever earn a living on their own. I, w- I was stunned. Uh, are you sure you don't want to mention who that, that older woman was? Tony Preckwinkle. I knew it was Tony Preckwinkle. There you go. Um, now she's uh, on tap to be mayor. Certainly she'll be the front runner when she enters. The Preckwinkle platform for Chicago, opposition to self-employment, a government of, by, and for the public sector unions. That's what's on tap unless the entrepreneurs who actually built Chicago decide that they're not going to lay passively back and accept whatever may come, but they're going to get active in furtherance of what should come. We'll see. All right, turning to the uh, August jobs numbers, uh, Beat Street expectations, 201,000 jobs in August. Employment rate, uh, unemployment rate stays at 3.9%. Not that that number means anything. Uh, to tell us what, if anything, uh, these numbers mean, we're pleased to be joined again by our friend Scott the Cow Guy, Scott Shalady, Fox Business contributor. Scott, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Um, so, uh, you know, here in Chicago, we're uh, opposed to self employment, but a lot of the rest of the country likes entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and job creators. And uh, they seem to uh, still be doing fairly well in this environment. How do you read the 200,000 job number? Well, actually, again, I'm I'm on the floor of the the CME group here this morning. The the bastion of self-employment. Yeah, right. And the the beast of uh, Chicago that will probably be ruling Chicago soon. 
I put them both together and have coined the phrase, it's going to be you know, the beast of Pritzwinkle. Um, <laughs> much to their chagrin. Yeah, the job summer was, was pretty, pretty good. Um, there were some things in it that and you don't want to be a Debbie Downer to look, but you have to just kind of keep a, a real eye on it. We saw some decent wage gains, 2.9% year over year. And that's good, and, but it's just not enough to rock the boat. The markets are taking it a little negatively because they're going to think that the Fed's going to have to stay on this course of raising interest rates. But the, the consumer price index is also up 2.9% year over year, and so that's going to kind of be a, a, a wash if you want to be want to be negative about it. But 201,000 jobs is good. So we, we've, we're seeing this aircraft carrier of the U.S. economy going in the right direction. It gets off course a, a little bit every now and again, but it's, it's absolutely doing what it needs to do now. I would like to see even more wage growth because this isn't going to be enough really to rock the boat. Um, but, but it's nice to see that these jobs are, are still there and, and, and they're still ticking over. So I, I can't really get too negative about it, except for the fact we did have some revisions to the last couple of numbers, which brought the average down a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, the headline is going to be good tomorrow morning. And uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, we were talking about uh, this. I don't remember in what context, but, um, the uh, another Keynesian explanation by the boards for the reality on the ground, which is uh, good news for all those erstwhile Keynesians. Gosh, boy, from the left, we should, uh, you know, wax nostalgic about the Keynesians. Now we've got uh, straight up Marxists. But uh, the liquidity trap that we're supposed to be concerned about in a low inflation environment doesn't seem to explain the reality on the ground. No, it does. No, it doesn't. And, you know, there's been a lot of things talked about, about even the smartest guys in the room are having a hard time with, with what the economy is looking like now. And I would say this, you know, when we invited the Fed into our back pockets uh, when the financial crisis hit and they took, quote unquote, extraordinary measures. Well, unfortunately, now the, the American public and some others around the world are going to have to get used to the extraordinary measures being now just ordinary measures because they haven't really gone away. We've got a confounding problem with our interest rates aren't rising here like a lot of folks thought they would, even though the U.S. economy is doing better and better than any other economy or at least Western economy in the world. Because our other central banks around the world are still printing cheap cash, especially the Bank of Japan. So it's put a cap on our 10-year yield. You're not seeing that rise like that. So there's all these worries sneaking in. The shareholder value theory that really dominated the markets in the 80s and 90s where um, you know, the shareholders were the person that you were supposed to reward, not the, uh, the actual <clears throat> employees. That's kind of come back into four about, hey, the employees are just as important as the owners of the firm. We, we need to start treating them well. And that's why we don't have these jobs being you know, paid more because uh, in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, the, the, the worker was expendable. So there's a lot of these explanations being floated around about why we're still seeing some of these things not really come to the fore like we would have expected because we've thrown everything in the kitchen sink of the economy and it's still not really catching fire. So it'll be interesting to see how it kind of plays out here with, with Trump trying to like this match every week. Just uh, remember, you know, the, uh, the issue with the smartest guys in the room, sometimes, uh, or I should say some rooms are smarter than others. So you just have to keep that in <laughs> mind with the smartest guys in the room it really depends on the room. Uh, here's uh, uh, n- another issue though, too. And this is the issue that, uh, the Godfather, Rick Santelli, uh, says is the issue that worries him the most. Still, how we unwind and what the implications will be from uh, a decade of quantitative easing of easy money from the Fed monetary policy we've never pursued. And we're still uncertain how this 
the impacts of of the unwinding of this over time and is that do you share that opinion that that's still sort of the biggest uncertainty with the potential for the biggest impact yeah i mean there's a new school of thought now and and, and rick would be probably the one that would champion it the most but he's a normalizer right he wants to get back to the way it used to be as quickly as possible but like i said earlier you know those extraordinary measures that the central banks took to get us out of that financial crisis aren't really going away and 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 we've, we've gotten used to that sugar high no yes the u.s has stopped their quantitative easing but because the rest of the world is still embarked on that it's 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 distorting markets so the economic the books on how to run the economy are going to have to be rewritten and i think so it might have been a little bit of her fault but at the same time Janet Yellen just was given something that she had not studied for 50 years. You know, I mean, she can't <laughs> dust off those economics books of the 1950s and, and run the economy like everybody else could. This is We're rewriting history as we go, and, and Rick's absolutely correct. Nobody really knows what the world would look like if we backed out that free money. And I think I would say this. If you ask me, and maybe you are, if we would have had the, the central banks not step in, um, it would have been a short sharp, disastrous decline, but we would have gotten rid of the, the businesses that should have failed. We would have gotten rid of the, the things that should have failed and not saved. And we would have ripped that bandaid off. And maybe, just maybe, and no one will ever know, we would probably be, I think we'd be a lot healthier today than we are. All right. He is Scott Shalady. Scott, the cow guy, Fox Business contributor. Scott, uh, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend. All right, and you join us on the turnkey.pro answer line. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM 560. The answer.